Welcome. <laughs> Welcome back everyone to Love's Neighbours Watched after a slight hiatus. Uh, we're back uh, and the summer is still going and we have loads of stuff to talk about. So yeah, that's great, isn't it? Plan. Yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah, no, we're super excited. Yeah, it's been um, a little while. We've been kind of on various holidays and working hard, and mm. um, yeah, but we're excited to be back and we have some fun things to be talking about in this episode, don't yeah, we? Yeah, absolutely. So um, we're essentially going to chat all about, you may have seen us on our social media before, mm. but we're actually allowed to talk about it now. Um, the Poldark season five premiere we went to back in June yeah so the show started back up again in July so it's only been a few weeks since since the show started on BBC Mm. but the premiere party and the and the screening took place about a month before that Mm -hmm. and we were in we were actually embargoed weren't we yeah we didn't speak about it until July um and we yeah getting around speaking about it now but it was incredibly exciting because um well those of you who've listened to the podcast for a long time will know that we initially started off focusing on pole dog which mm-hmm. was kind of incidental in some ways because it happened to be on at the time and we thought like oh let's test our podcasting by talking about this show that we like enjoy watching and mm-hmm. find quite often quite like unintentionally funny but also often very yeah heartwarming and mm-hmm. um moving so yeah absolutely and a season five promises to be equally as i think it seems to be the most bonkers one yet as yeah. far as i can tell but we're going to only talk about episode one in this in this episode um because we don't want to give away any spoilers and particularly because the whole experience was bound up in us finding our way into the cast after party um and actually experiencing the show it's kind of like because they've been off air for more than a year i think they had to regather all the actors together it had been a while yeah and they've announced that this is the final series or Mm. certainly the final series in its current iteration of having like you know, Ross Poldark and Demelza as the centre of the show. Yeah. Um, and I think over the past few seasons, you've seen other characters and younger characters kind of come in and sort of take centre stage, like yeah. um, Drake and... Um, Morwenna. Morwenna, yeah. I was about to say Marbella. Marbella. <laughs> Actually, before we start, I have a fun little um, sound from Poldark fact. Oh, yeah. I saw him at the Casino Royale event. Did you? Mm. So I went along to the um, uh, Secret Cinema Casino Royale event. I can't tell you any much about it because that would be mean to any of you who plan to go. Yeah, and I'm going later in the summer, so yeah, yeah, I don't want any So wore a bomb dress, went along, and then um, I saw... So there was a section um, set in Madagascar, that's all I'll say, and Sam from Poldark, I don't know his real name. No, I didn't. Suddenly, the older brother, the Christian brother, uh, was standing across the way from me, and then at one point we had to... all running in different directions to you know do something i shouldered straight past him as in like literally shouldered straight past him and he was right there and i thought to myself wow he does not know that i've been in the same room with him pretty close twice yeah so which sounds quite stalkerish but we were invited i promise we were invited and i was saying to myself you know if this was going to be the time to fall in love with sam from poldark i would have tried to affect it at yeah. this event but <laughs> I'm not going to event. affect it because I'm not gonna I'm not in a position to fall in love with Sam from Poldark but if I was I would have so watch out the Poldark um, cast there I read a book uh, recently it was called um, Our Stop by Laura Jane Williams mm. and it was actually quite similar to the flat share which we talked about on the podcast a while back um, in that it was about a couple meeting and falling in love and it was a sort of rom-com setup. up yeah. um, but and it was like each chapter was told by either the man or the woman anyway it culminated in secret cinema and i was like this is so oh, millennial really? the whole book was very like leaning into like the millennial london stereotypes so not even stereotypes but just like 
you know fun tropes I suppose um, mm-hmm. so it was it was really enjoyable but um, yeah it did make me laugh I was like yeah I feel like it's the kind of event that people go to that they think like oh yes I could like fall in love with someone while wearing a mask but whether it actually yeah. happens I don't know well, oh, who knows we'll um, people were definitely dressed up very nicely at the event anyway but that's um, so we met the cast there well some of the cast we saw them talk to yeah I think we should few, I, I feel like we should I don't know start at the beginning yes yeah. absolutely so um, the actual event was in June at the BFI, yeah, which is a cinema space and kind of like film museum in London. Yeah, um, and essentially what they what you they had a couple of, a bunch of people who think you'd want tickets or bought tickets to go yeah. along to see the premiere event because you know they want a nice full house. Yeah, and some press and we would press, <laughs> uh, and then they also had a cast Q and A. Um, afterwards, which was also vaguely hilarious. Yeah, so on, in the cast Q and A, so they should, you know they broadcast the episode, and we watched it in the same way that you would if you like going to the cinema or something. Yeah. Um, and then they brought on um, Aidan Turner, uh, Jack Farthing, mm-hmm. that plays George. Um, Luke Norris. Yeah. Hot who, Doctor. Who plays Hot Doctor. Elise and, Chappell. Yeah. Who I believe plays who's Moenna. And uh, and then the writer Debbie Horsfield. Mm. Um, it was one more cast member. Uh, I don't know. I'm not sure there was. No, Debbie Horsfield. There was a producer. As yeah, well. yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. Um, and they answered questions from the audience and also from the moderator about the episode and about the series ahead. Mm-hmm. But also in the audience were all the kind of other cast members like yeah. um, BT Edney who plays Prudy, mm-hmm. um, and obviously Sam and Drake. Yeah, and they were all sitting kind of in a row together, kind of like vaguely like having a fun time because they were and they weren't dressed up at all because obviously they didn't have to go on stage. No, no, they, it was actually it was one of those classic things where like Elise Chapel, who who plays Moenna, who's obviously very beautiful and striking, was wearing an incredibly beautiful dress, mm. whereas all the male cast members were just like rocking jeans. up in like jeans and like a hoodie and yeah. like yeah, <laughs> classic. But yeah, so the Q and A itself was vaguely quite funny because um, I f- you feel that the actors themselves um, the one thing we don't think the questions asked were always that helpful for them to answer mm-hmm. um, and equally some questions they just weren't interested in answering like Aiden got asked a couple from the audience and he was just like yeah that was it yeah I mean I, I suppose there must be an element to which it, it's a frustrating aspect of being an actor like mm. um, actually Luke Norris who, who, who plays Hot Doctor aka Dwight Doctor Ennis, Ennis. Yeah, he actually answered questions very thoughtfully, I yeah. thought. And it was clearly... So he, but he clearly had the kind of almost more philosophical mind to where... To actually answer them. Yeah, yeah, and presumably if his friends ask him questions in the pub, he probably answers them similarly. Mm-hmm. But the others, it's not that they weren't answering them intelligently. I just think they clearly just thought about it things slightly differently. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and in the case of Aidan Turner, was maybe just slightly frustrated at being asked occasionally, like, you know, yeah. Well, of, someone asked him, didn't they... Um, uh, what role do you want to do next? And I guess as an actor, you're like, why are you interested in what I want to do like next? That's my decision, yes. that's my thing. And also maybe he can't talk about a whole bunch of stuff. It's true, and someone asked quite a leading, you know, quite a good question, actually, this was one in the audience, about how... So um, in, the, in the new series of Poldark, it's sort of implied um, that he's going to get involved in espionage. Mm. And someone kind of asked a question where they were clearly trying to get at you know, that was showing off different skills in Aidan Turner's catalogue. Mm. And could that lead to sort of him playing James Bond, which, you know, was like heavily rumoured a few years ago. They didn't ask it as point blank as that. It was much, but but you could tell that's where they were going. And he very much like shut that down. Yeah, and was like, 
was like, no, don't know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it was kind of funny, not because anyone was rude, but more the fact that we're used to Q&As, I feel, and we participate in Q&As where you ask very thoughtful questions and you get a thoughtful answer. But I've never really seen an actor Q&A in that way before and you can tell they're actors their job is to act their job is not to be PR kings and queens yeah and and also it wasn't a press conference so there was a mix of like questions from maybe members of the press and questions from fans Mm. and obviously all the fans are incredibly excited and and it would be such an exciting moment Mm. for you and Mm -hmm. and yeah there were you know all all, everyone there was obviously very respectful and but it was an interesting dynamic to observe wasn't it it was for sure i like there were some americans there and there there were two different sets of questions where they put their hand up and went i've just come from america i love poldark blah 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 and then there's like no question in it and the actors are like great thanks cool yeah so i did really like um um luke norris's answer to a question of like what will you kind of miss most about the show yeah. you know like what will you miss and he was kind of saying he really enjoys the sense of he says that he knows he said we said that he knew that you get really used to having not like steady work and you would get really used to you know that rush of when the the um the board the clapperboard goes and you're suddenly able to act and he said that maybe he was losing that sense of feeling quite feeling so like stunned and like excited when it happened so i think he says he might miss that but he's looking forward to like find that excitement a bit more by going back into the unknown in terms of like leaving a long-term role yeah so it was a really really interesting answer yeah no he was a very interesting guy like i yeah i think he kind of clearly did think through think things through quite Mm. a lot Mm. um but yeah so we had that experience having really enjoyed watching the episode Mm. um which we will come into our review of the episode a bit later in this podcast but we thought you wanted to hear all the gossip from the party first obviously yeah absolutely we really enjoy this and um Helena had collected the tickets earlier in the evening and said, oh, I think you get, like, a free drink. Because the guy gave me a wristband and was like, these are for drinks. And then said nothing else. And so you assume the bar, maybe? So we go up to the bar in the BFI and we're like, hello, can we have a free drink? Like, and, they're like, no. and they're like, I don't know what that is. Like, and so I'm like, okay. And we were then kind of debating, shall we just leave? Um, and then I noticed that there's, like, kind of streams of people kind of walking up a staircase and mm. going up into this kind of private-looking area. Mm. And then I suddenly was like, wait a second, like, this is the premiere. There's probably some kind of party or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, there's probably some organised networking kind of thing going on, um, which is clearly what was happening. So, um, well, you kind of mildly freaked out, didn't you? I did, because we went up to the, the like, the host usher guy and yeah. said, you know, well, they four? And he's like, oh, the cast party up there next past two bouncers where the cast you can see them like they're all up there yeah. like the new um jeffrey charles actor who's like a vaguely good looking quite good looking like young man so about guy. Yeah. you know both the brothers um aiden was i think milling about there for a bit and then tomlinson was not there which she is was... good because i would have fainted when I met and her. it's funny because we always said that she's the person that we probably most admire in the cast mm. um and she's she's the one who we've never we never interacted with but mm. um but everyone still, else was it was there. very it was very much like oh my gosh like all these people that who we've just seen on screen um and we i mean we both work in the media world and like you know like occasionally find ourselves at these kind of events but i think this one was particularly surreal because it was very unexpected Mm -hmm. um like and we'd sort of dressed up a bit hadn't we like we worn our heels and stuff yeah yeah. we were like this is like a kind of fancy do but we didn't really know what to expect so anyway we we get ushered up the stairs like okay and then handed like a glass of champagne and then suddenly we're in this party Mm -hmm. where yeah it's presumably a lot of crew members there and also um 
other members of the press and cast and, members uh, yeah but obviously you didn't quite know who everybody was but the cast members were the people who you recognised um, and a lot of them clearly had like maybe their maybe their agent or like PR people mm-hmm, with them but mm-hmm. generally it was pretty chill like they were just kind of milling absolutely. around absolutely and they were kind of all talking to each other and we were sort of like grabbed a drink and put some bags in the corner and then just yeah. kind of like we, you can't just stand on the outskirts you have to sort of wander in so we kind of wandered in and had a finish one of our glasses and there was a very attentive uh, attentive um waiter who kept on coming up to us and being like do you want more what do you want and we're like oh we're fine yeah. <laughs> um so we sort of milled around had a look at all the cast members and was sort of like okay we should definitely try and talk to one of them and get some conversation with them recorded because we're here yeah and amazing opportunity amazing opportunity so after deciding who we want to prey on um slash meet we decided um to uh, actually try and get some time with the newest cast member uh carrie mclean yeah so we'd you know she had um well had made her premiere in the premiere that we had just watched mm. um, she opened the show didn't she, she did yeah in a, in a really cool kind of aerial shot of her she's seen walking through the streets of london in a hooded cloak mm-hmm. so you don't know who she is very like, luke skywalker it could it could really be anyone yeah it was very luke skywalker and then it's revealed that to be this new character kitty despard mm. um who is actually based on a real historical character and mm-hmm. Um, Debbie Horsfield, the writer of Paul Dark, had incorporated her story into, into you know, the fictional story of, of Paul Dark. So um, she's a new character, like new for the new for the season, mm-hmm. and um, had quite a lot to do in that first episode. Mm-hmm. And you know, is was immediately very arresting, very. Um, charismatic mm-hmm. and like yeah immediately like took your interest and like oh who is this woman and like excited to see how her story unfurls so we were like yeah she's gonna be a great person to try and interview also because she was new to the cast we thought mm. she might be maybe more up for it than some of the uh, absolutely and she definitely was sort of uh, a woman around or just near about our age and she we saw her kind of moving through the room and she was kind of chatting to everybody and like yeah. being very seeming friendly. very friendly so I think you definitely from our, from our perspective as you know we're not official press we're there in sort of podcast capacity you sort of want to approach someone who maybe is a bit new and we wouldn't approach Aidan Turner nice to see I'm sure he is you would kind of feel very intimidated so yeah i think also you know we pride ourselves on being like a female focused yes podcast 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 um and you know showcasing female talent like you Mm. know um women who are like making their um you know an incredible debut in this like massive bbc show like that's someone who we definitely want to speak to and like find out Mm. what her story is and how that what that experience been like for her so um, but equally, we didn't want to disturb her because that was the thing about this event because it was a party. So people were like, you know, having a drink and having a chat and having some food, and um, you know, it's still a kind of work slash event. But mm-hmm. you don't really want to kind of disturb someone unnecessarily. So we we sort of dithered around for a bit, didn't we? And then yeah, yeah got a, a good moment. The liquid her. courage. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and yeah, and instead of just telling you about what she said, we can actually show you since we recorded it. So we'll introduce that now. Yeah. I guess. So here it is our conversation with the lovely Carrie McLean. So um Carrie's character, Catherine Despard, known as Kitty, yeah. as we said, is a real historical character, um, based on a uh, Jamaican ex-slave. 
who is freed and married Ned Despard. And in the show, she is in London and interacts with Paul Dark or comes into the story because she is trying to fight for the freedom of her husband, Ned, who's been wrongfully imprisoned on a charge of treason. Yeah, and Ned um, and Ross have a history they were previously in the army together in america and he's apparently a notoriously um noble yeah noble guy in a very similar way to ross that he often ends up in situations because he wants to do what's morally right and then can end up in scrapes i suppose you could Mm -hmm. call it yeah um and Carrie McLean is a British actress who you might have spotted in shows such as The Discovery of Witches and Bodyguard, which was also a big BBC show. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think uh, this is probably her her first like major role in Paul Dark. And yeah, it's really exciting to kind of see that play out. And we were so thrilled to speak to her. So yeah, what was it like for you joining this season? It was a little bit of a whirlwind, to be honest with you. Um, I was cast very late, so I literally was cast two days before the replay. So it wasn't really any sort of main, you know, I didn't have a big lead in to get my head around it. And I also didn't know the show. Oh, interesting. Really? No, I've never seen it. So um, I watched like tiny little snippets online, but it wasn't an iPlayer when I was auditioning, so I couldn't watch whole episodes. so it was just, it was starting a new job and sort of, it was a bit of an unknown really. I just sort of went in. Did the thing? Yeah, just sort of went in on my first day and just sort of took it as a gig really. And yeah. super excited about the role. Yeah, absolutely. Catherine was, it's so exciting. And when you sort of read about her in history, it's very exciting to, yeah, I was really thrilled to get her. Yeah, absolutely, because, I mean, it was said in the Q&A that, you know, the show's being taken in a slightly different direction now, um, and, you know, the role you're playing is a new character who hasn't turned up before, and you can see a couple of instances where the characters are not sure how to deal with your character, because you're American, you're an slave, that kind of thing. So, um, how do you kind of feel about playing that role? Yeah, I'm thrilled, because I think one of the things, uh, as an actress, that I've not had a lot of experience of is playing English period dramas because yeah. there aren't really those roles there. So mm-hmm. um, to get Catherine, who's, she's actually Jamaican, yeah, who's sorry, gone, really no, Jamaican who's gone to Honduras yeah. as um, worked with my mother as a slave. And, and then my mum gets my master to sell me, which is tied up in the storyline later on in the series. Um, but then also reading about Catherine as well. Yeah, she's a real character. Yes, and her and Ned are married. Yeah. She, she, she was married to the governor of Florida. A lot of their storyline is quite true in terms of yeah. the, the things that happened. So I was really, yeah, I was really honoured. And, and yeah, super chuffed. I never really thought I'd ever get the opportunity to be in an English period drama. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. She's such an interesting character. She kind of blasts onto the scene mm-hmm. with her, you know, there's a side scene where she's giving this amazing speech about liberty and brotherhood. Yeah. And I think like that's something that you don't always get seen in the period dramas either. They don't always tackle the slavery question. Like, the only thing I can think of right now is a bell. Which is the story of you know the, the slave daughter who comes and becomes the king. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. know yeah. yeah. it's very different. So yeah, I'm very thrilled. Yeah. And did you dive quite deep into the real historical story? Like, how much does it diverge in, in the show? Um, yeah, Debbie has um, Debbie has sort of kind of merged her with some political sort of activists at the time. Uh, so she sort of has merged Catherine into that and made her quite an activist. Yeah. 
but I did, look, I did, you know, I did as much as I could in the very, very, very short period. Yeah, of course, yeah, because it was two days before, like yeah, and then and then I filmed about a week and a half after, and I had right. already, always, already was out of the country for some of the before oh, okay. so yeah. it was pre So I didn't get the opportunity to do tons and tons of research, but there's quite a bit online. But really, it was about just um, being true to the relationship between her and Ned because her and Ned are deeply in love. They haven't married for money or for status, they've married for love, and I think that was a really big part of keeping that real and showing that. I mean, you haven't seen me and Ned very much on the I think even in that episode, though, I think you very much got that she would do anything for him and vice versa, which is so powerful to see. Very much sort of something that I was hoping would come out of Yeah. So, so is that what you hope audience will kind of get out of your role in the show? Like, how are you hoping to well, I think I don't know. I just, I don't know. I'm just hoping people enjoy it. You know, people enjoy it and enjoy seeing this character in this time period as well. I think, I think she's really important. Yeah. So I think it's great. I, feel, I do feel really honoured to have got yeah. And it's great that the show is taking these strides as well. Because these are issues that are present in the historical reality of Pulse. So to actually tackle it and to yeah. take a start in it, I think it's really cool, isn't it? Yeah, it's super Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Yes, I'm speaking to Kerry. Yeah, um, absolutely. She was so lovely, so friendly, and um, yeah, really gave some really thoughtful and interesting answers um, to our questions. And yes, uh, rushed as we all were, and sort of as you can hear, the crowd around us was having a great time. Yeah, some like wild laughter going <laughs> on in the background. But absolutely, and she was very generous and very lovely and easy to speak to. Absolutely. So thank you so much, uh, Kerry, um, and congrats on your role as well. It's so exciting and such a cool role to have, and amazing, such a great thing for Paul Doc to do as well because it's so different I think yeah and I think that kind of like leads us on to speaking about how this one of the things about this series of Poldark is that it's no longer closely following the books in the way that it has done in the past mm. because this book or this series is basically taking place kind of in between mm -hmm. two books mm -hmm. and um, in the one of them being the last book that we saw dramatised in series four and the other one being a book which actually jumps ahead mm -hmm. to see what life is like for Ross and Demel's children and 20 years George's later, child yeah. as well um, and I think it's an interesting choice because they could have just done that jump ahead yeah. but I think this gives them so much more freedom to explore um, well a variety of issues that they've yet to explore in the show mm -hmm. and also to kind of be a bit more creative and that they don't have to like strictly follow what's already been mm -hmm. written in the book absolutely and in this series the kind of things that we're seeing so in the last series there had been kind of radicalism kind of leftovers from the French Revolution yeah. and um, things like famine and the problem of uh, political dramas playing out in Cornwall when um, the people are starving and fights between landlords and tenants. And now what we're seeing is the slavery question as we kind of move in towards 1806, which was mm. when slavery, the slave trade was abolished. Mm. No, slavery was abolished in the British Empire in 1833, which when the slave trade was abolished in the British Empire. So these are the kind of issues we're starting to deal with, hence the introduction of Kitty. Mm. And also a bit of things to do with um, mental health and ongoing Paul Dark family politics as well. Those are the kind, yeah. of, kind of things that we're seeing as Ross returns to be... Uh, and um, not an MP, he is still an MP, isn't yeah, he? he is Ross returns yeah. to being an MP and then gets involved with other nefarious types as well, which we, you see hints of in the first episode. Yeah, yeah, he, so um, 
that well perhaps one of the most dramatic storylines in the first episode is Ross um, managing to thwart the attempted murder of the king classic of course of course, of course he's he does there. that yeah um, and afterwards is when he kind of gets like invited to be part of this kind of some sort of spy network although we don't really find out too much about it in that episode do we mm, yeah but that's sort of like what Ross is up to and meanwhile we've got Demelza back in Cornwall holding up the fort Otherwise. as best she can uh, given that there is this kind of like yeah underlying thread of radicalism which has made its way to Cornwall mm-hmm. and a lot of her tenants, a lot of the miners, are very unhappy. And constantly and, being laid off, Yeah, as they always seem to be. And of course they all come to Ross's mine. And Will Grace? Is that what this one's called? Who I knows? There's been but so many. Yeah, who really knows? So <laughs> who cares either? But, and then Demelza is actually increasingly giving, being given a very independent role. As Debbie Horsfield has been doing throughout the series, actually, because in the books she does take more of a back seat after the first few books, yeah. and, you know. Um, and you see Demelza actually being trusted by Ross to lead the Poldark lands, you know, that they both own, um, and to try and keep people happy and to find work. And she particularly starts to clash with a new female character, who I don't remember the name of, but she's a disgruntled tenant, yeah. out of work, and Demelza tasks herself with finding these tenants work and they don't really believe her and she you know ends up kind of facing off with them a bit on the cliffs as always seems to happen always on the cliffs so Demelza actually I think interestingly is taking more of a actually having to stand on her power a bit more as the wife of Paul of Ross and also um having to actually get in a bit of trouble on her own because we've seen so far that Ross gets in trouble and Demelza feels the effects of it but now Demelza actually having to uh, having a few problems of her own that she has to fight against that aren't just her brothers are getting hanged or this person's having a romance problem. It's actually these people don't like her I love and she's how, having like, to fight them. I love how like her brothers being potentially hanged. It's just like, yeah, one of those like... At least once or at least twice. <laughs> yeah, it does happen a lot. Um, but yeah, no, there was definitely a, a, a real threat of like potential violence, violence mm. in the form of Tess. She was called the... Um, yes, the, Tess, that's it. Um, well, she's taken on as a serving maid in the Paul Dark's house. So there's a real sense of like discomfort there growing because you actually they very cleverly don't let you know whether or not this person's actually been mollified by getting being given a job by Demelza who's trusting nature is sort of she says you know I'm just like you I just happen to be I I happen to have a house but that doesn't make me different yeah um so there's a sense that actually there might be trouble brewing inside the pulled up house and Ross of course is not there because he's trusting Demelza to yeah, deal with it. I actually thought there were some interesting references in the first episode to Demelza's past as a um, serving girl for Ross, you know, when she yeah. was first brought in as like a servant. Um, and she references it in that conversation with Tess, obviously to try and make her seem down to earth. Mm-hmm. But Tess and the other miners who, who are unhappy don't really see that as like something relatable they actually see it as like oh she thinks she's got airs and graces now and she mm-hmm. thinks she's so much better than us mm-hmm. um it's also referenced when demelza first meets kitty mm-hmm. and um kitty and ned their relationship is actually somewhat similar to demelza's and ross's yeah in that they it started off with kitty working for ned and that's actually something that kitty and demelza sort of bond over don't they mm-hmm. yeah there's a really beautiful lovely moment because they're, the way that they deal with Kitty is not to say that she's the only, you know, only black woman that would have been seen in England at the time, because that's not true. But there is a sense that 
when she enters people's houses for the first time or enters new groups of people that sometimes people don't know what to do or mm. what to how to deal with it. Um, but you see her enter the Poldark house and she maybe has a sense that she doesn't know how she's going to be welcomed. Yeah. And then Demelza kind of hits on this similarity they both have mm. and says, oh, me too. I'm also a serving girl. And you see that the sense that Demelza really wants her to feel accepted and yeah. doesn't want her to feel out of place. And then, you know, Kitty sees that and they have this really quick bond of friendship that's they built do. between them. I think that's great because, you know, it's right of them to sort of show Kitty's discomfort in entering new places, especially yeah. in a country where slavery is still allowed. Um, but actually there's a sense that the people that she's meeting are able to make her put her at ease and not just be basically like racist on behalf of racist because of what the colour of her skin is, mm. which I think is like a really interesting thing to have done. Instead of just being like, everyone doesn't mind, it's more about people would mind. But there is a sense that, that she's not abnormal. Yeah. Which I think is, yeah, right, because there were people of colour, people of colour in England at the time to say that they weren't there. Oh, absolutely. Wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that, as you, I agree, that was well handled. Um, and there's also another new female character in this season who's been introduced um, called Cecily. Oh, yes, the mother yeah. of the daughter. <laughs> who is another, yeah, another um, woman with strong values and strong beliefs who is kind of being suggested to George as a potential new wife following the tragic death of Elizabeth at the mm. end of the last mm-hmm. season. So, um, yeah, she's being kind of... Well, she's very young and clearly has no interest in George, um, but she's being sort of suggested to George. Touted yeah, by her touted. father, who is um, who is a big businessman. Uh, oh, a mahogany trader. Yeah, it's an, it. it's an interesting one because obviously when when we first saw the series begin, you know, the, the sort of way to be upwardly mobile was to marry someone of a kind of aristocratic yeah, status. like Elizabeth. Like Elizabeth. But now times have kind of changed. And also George sort of, by extension of having married Elizabeth, kind of has that mm-hmm. power. Mm-hmm. But to get the monetary value kind of in his life, he needs to get it from marrying somebody who's actually... New money. Yeah, new money. So, yeah. Um, but George is depicted in this first episode as still being very much, well, very much grieving for Elizabeth, understandably, mm. and quite lost, I would say. Absolutely. And there's a really interesting um, interesting new side of the show as well, which is George's increasing madness, or maybe grief taking him over. I wouldn't say maybe it was madness, maybe it's more grief. And he starts to see Elizabeth everywhere and those kind of things. And the show promises to deal with... 19th century approaches to mental health uh, with Dwight Ennis and George as a pair together. Yeah, which they talked about a little bit in the Q&A actually mm. because obviously in previous series we'd seen Dwight deal with um, PTSD mm. because of his experiences in France when mm-hmm. he was arrested and mm-hmm. also his experiences with the death of his daughter as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, Dwight, who's, as we've always said before, a very modern, very sympathetic... Modern man. Yeah. Very hot doctor. <laughs> um, but we actually see him yeah we can we can imagine him being someone who would be quite interested mm-hmm. in the mental health realm yeah, and quite absolutely. sympathetic um george of course not always a sympathetic character to put mm-hmm. it lightly mm-hmm. yeah so yeah it'll be interesting to see how they go with that storyline and certainly in that first episode he seemed to go from kind of grieving and you know occasionally thinking about elizabeth to like being somewhat unhinged utter, utter bonkers we will say um the show itself i think is very 
what the characters are very well put together and well integrated with each other and they move through these spheres really nicely one thing it does do which isn't a bad thing but it is a thing it just moves so quickly mm -hmm. things just happen like that like yeah. george is suddenly bonkers george is mad and you're like okay and or paul dark suddenly is like you know a spy and you're like okay and it's not to say that that is wrong it's more to say that like i think the paul, paul dark show definitely embraces a very non-bbc kind of like speediness when it comes to like rattling through the story which is great because lots of stuff happens it just seems to happen quite quickly sometimes yeah i think that's something you do see on other shows as well um but yeah i think we you were particularly conscious of it in that first episode because you're like oh my god like here we go yeah like, absolutely it was a roller coaster ride and as we say the show is dealing with a lot of different topics and different issues quite sensitively but there is also an element of it being like a slightly bonkers show in which people regularly like drown in their minds and like yeah, regularly. financial struggles or pill pilchers yeah, don't turn up there's always a lot going on and i think if you want to enjoy it for that kind of like slight roller coaster of like yeah. oh, what's going to happen next there definitely seems to be a lot of yeah. fun stuff going on for you to kind of get on board with in absolutely and i think the show maybe has a better sense of its own self in this season because debbie horse felt unable to really take control yeah because of course a lot of um, there's definitely been some like well we know there's been some issues in the previous series of like trying to follow the books and falling foul of with that because it, a bit out of time, it doesn't yeah. quite work in, in our yeah modern minds yeah. as well um, mm -hmm. so yeah I, I'm quite excited to see how this series goes and, and then there's some really cute stuff with like um, uh, Drake and Morwenna having Morwenna having of course also had a really traumatic time in the previous series yeah basically nearly also going mad yeah and being sent to Bedlam and and she's going to be an interesting character to follow too. They yeah. are trying to retackle really her PTSD and trauma from having a sexual relationship with a horrible man yeah. who she didn't want to have a sexual relationship with. And that these things are really important to tackle, especially in terms of women's issues. So it's great that the show is also doing doing that in a sensitive way. I think it's very simple. They have a, the sensitivity comes from Drake and his sensitiveness yeah, yeah, to absolutely. what more what more is dealing with which i think is really great i one thing i will say i will not see i'm not unhappy to the back of if is ross and demelza's constant cheating on each other which is kind of like i feel like it's really confusing not that like i don't doubt that they have a difficult relationship in lots of ways but i'm more a bit like it just keeps happening and i'm like can we please like give this up now as a plot point i'm yeah, a bit bored of it i agree and i think that all the plot lines that were established in this first episode were like much more interesting than that mm. and like you can still have Ross and Demelza disagreeing mm. and having strife in their relationship, mm. but it can come from, you know, Ross's political career mm. or Demelza, like, not trusting the new servant. Or, you know, mm. there can be a variety of other things that are bringing them grief. Yeah, not just than, like, oh, this hot poet came along and I fell in love with him inexplicably. Yeah. You know, or those kind of things. I think I find those kinds of plot points to be deliberate attempts to create drama that maybe are indicative of a different time of writing uh, and these are written you know the last seasons were bulk written by you know the author the name's they lost me winston winston not churchill <laughs> winston graham um back in the 70s so of course those plot points raise them a bit archaic now but I'm yeah. glad maybe to see some drama come from some other places. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think they've obviously widened out the scope uh, mm -hmm. beyond Cornwall, which they did, a, you know, that dates back to a few of the old, um, older episodes um, in that, you know, by having Ross become an MP yeah. and, like, um, people going up and down to London. And it does, yeah, open up, you know, more storytelling avenues for them. And we also have Geoffrey Charles back again. Different actor. Different actor. Still, still is good fun though. I love yeah, Geoffrey Charles. Yeah, I love Geoffrey Charles. Charles. Yeah. yeah. Can't wait till Geoffrey Charles gets to hang out at 
oh, I'll train with and live there forever. Yeah. 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 Which maybe we'll see in a future series because although they've very much been like, this is the end, I think what they mean by that is this is the end for Eleanor Tomlinson and Aidan Turner. And they're probably a bit relieved. Want to go on to bigger and better things, yeah. most likely. Um, but I think the kind of world of Poldark, which, as we said, is quite well-rounded and features now a huge cast of characters, mm. is still very open for them to do things with if they would want to. Mm-hmm. And they've also got the cast of the children who are all... At unclear ages, as we've talked about in the past, no one really knows how old anyone they is. They all seem to age or de-age at various rates. And yeah, like, okay. I mean, like, Demelza and Ross still look exactly the same as they did when they were, like, 22, so... And their kids are maybe six or seven, and yeah. you're like, well, how long has it been? I'm confused. I think it's been, like, 30 years. Yeah. How are the children Who still knows? so young? I don't know. I don't know, but they have the possibility of, like, jumping forward and showing you the children's stories yeah. in the future, should they be interested, and I certainly would not be surprised if they end up doing that. Absolutely not. So, well, yeah. that's done. Let's yeah. truck Let's on. Move on. Let's move on. So, um, to move on to our, no- no- our normal section of just things that we're looking forward to, things we've been enjoying. Yeah. There's so much coming up. I mean, I always think that the September to December season of TV and culture in general is great. But there's so much to look forward to. Um, particularly one thing that's come out recently that we actually have tweeted about is His Dark Materials, which is coming soon. Yeah? Very soon, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm not sure what the actual date is, but I think it's the autumn. Mm. Uh, produced by HBO... Um, mm-hmm. in partnership I think with the BBC yeah because it's shown um, on BBC here yeah and you know obviously it's based on the, the novels by Philip Pullman which were adapted into a not hugely successful movie in yeah, 2007 Hollywood the Golden Compass yeah, yeah. Um, this looks much more promising it does um, I think you know HBO who obviously worked on Game of Thrones are clearly have a lot of money and mm-hmm. um, resources to put behind making like the yeah. animation incredible and it's a very striking trailer, isn't it? Like, Absolutely. And I think HBO are good at long-form television yeah. as well. I think it's eight eight episodes? I think so, yeah. Yeah, and you have some really great characters. Um, so, um, James McAvoy is playing Lord Asriel, Yeah, and the really trailer exciting. is framed kind of around him. Yeah. Uh, which, I guess, I'm not surprised, because obviously he's a big draw, but that's a, an exciting choice, because you're like, actually, uh, well, the adult characters in his dark materials are very interesting. You don't hear much about them because it's all from Lara's perspective, but they really are, actually. Yeah, there's a lot of scope there for them to tell a story that... I mean, as we all know, the, the books didn't just appeal to children, but I think there's definitely scope for them by fleshing out the adult characters to make it something yeah. that a lot of people will enjoy. Absolutely. And we have some... Yeah, and we have some really great people Absolutely. coming in. We have Lin-Manuel Miranda, who's yeah. playing Lee Scoresbury, the um, Texan... Um, Aero person. They all have funny names in yeah, the book. Yeah, he's a kind of like air cowboy. Yeah, right? he's an air cowboy. I feel like that's how he's described. Yeah, it's like yeah. A, yeah, yeah, and it's because Philip Pullman's books. Those ones are very. I think they're like pre steampunk. It's yeah. like sort of pre industrial steampunk. Is kind of the actual mood of them. Yeah. And so um, he has a, a funny name which I can't remember the name of. Suddenly, there's Ruth Wilson of um, Luther um, yeah, and um, every other BBC show. Thing. An amazing piece of casting because she's very good at playing slightly sinister, beautiful characters. women. Yeah, yeah. Maz Marissa Coulter, um, Daphne Keane, who is the child actress from Logan, playing Lyra. Yeah, she was amazing in Logan because she's this mute, pretty mute character for mm. a while, and she is um, plays a really broken young young girl, and she was lauded for her performance in yeah. Logan. So I think she'll be really, really great. Um, there's some other people, Anne-Marie Duff, uh, James Cosmo, who plays Santa in Narnia right. as um, one of the gypsy, the gypsy leader. Um, gypsy is probably not the, the, the most PC term, but that's what they call them in the books. Um, and essentially a whole bunch of extra people, which is really, really exciting. And I think 
from what we've seen, they really stay true to the actual spirit of the books in terms of it's about a child and adventure, but also quite dark adventure and yeah. like social critique, which Philip Pullman's very good at. I think it's an interesting to think about in terms of ad- adaptation, like how um, things have changed. Because like in the noughties, when the movie was made, like the aim was to get a kind of blockbuster movie series mm. like Harry Potter no, yeah. or Narnia, which to be fair, never really took off either, actually. Um, whereas yeah, now, sadly. like the pinnacle of storytelling via screen would be like a much lauded... Um, Emmy award winning HBO series right yeah like, yeah yeah absolutely. you know Game of Thrones or Big Little Lies or mm-hmm. any of these you know shows that we've seen be hugely successful in that format yeah. so yeah it's kind of interesting but yeah I definitely have high hopes as well I think mm, it'd be really good absolutely because honestly this just bodes well for so much Philip Pullman work which has tragically not been adapted yet I mean um, like the uh, Ruby and the Smoke yeah which we had that adaptation with Billy Piper yeah but, but it wasn't they um, need to do the whole thing they need properly. to do the whole thing properly yeah and I mean I reread his dark materials I read them first when I was a kid and adored them read them again as a teenager adored them read them more recently as a 24 year old mm. um, and I mean I'm still absolutely blown away by this Lyra story and the love story between her and a certain other character who I won't spoil for anybody who hasn't seen it um, but also like the social critique and the critique of the questioning about faith and institutionalised religion that led to Philip Pullman's book being banned by the Catholic Church in some places and also the high concept fantasy as well and the thoughts about nature and other universes it's so intellectually stimulating those books and there's so much rich content and well-imagined content in there that it's just really upsetting that they haven't managed to get but maybe it's too complicated and maybe this HBO show will be it they will have finally got the balance yeah, right I hope so and I think they've been working on it for a while they, they definitely announced it like several years ago like I want to say like four years ago or something so it's been a long time coming which I think is positive um, in terms of yeah like them trying to get it right I think mm-hmm. um, and then also there's some exciting news in terms of TV storytelling Um you know, you all know that we interviewed Madeline Miller, author of Cersei, earlier in the year, and it was just like the best experience. We loved it. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, her books were are so incredible, and she was such a wonderful interviewee. It was great. Mm. Um, so yeah, we were so excited to learn that Cersei is also going to be adapted into a TV series. Yeah. Um, a mini series, right? Similarly. Eight parts, straight to series, yeah. as far as I read. Which in TV speak, I think just means they're going to do it immediately definitely yeah there's no pilot situation yeah and and they're going to I think it's um, HBO again I think but I can't be completely sure about that Um, which makes sense to me honestly because that's how HBO HBO seems to be snapping up all the best shows and it's going to basically as far as I can tell be a literal literal adaptation of the book that she wrote and we were saying that the book is incredibly cinematic and visual like really visual so I think it would work very well and I presume Madeline Miller oh yeah HBO you're right yeah um be so interesting to see who they choose to play Cersei yeah because in some ways I kind of think I didn't really imagine her as any particular person like and the sort of obviously the elements of them being kind of godlike quote-unquote you know that Cersei's not supposed to look like in the same way as some of the other gods. I'd be interested to see how they kind of interpret that. Yeah, because you could go for an older female actor, a younger one. I mean, the op- I think there'd be a scope for any yeah. act- an actress of kind of a broad range, broad range of ages. Even like multiple actresses playing her at different. Yeah, points. absolutely. Oh yeah, it would be really good and really exciting to see how it develops. I'm not surprising that that's the what's ended up happening. So 
Yeah, that would be cool to really exciting to see that happen. Yeah. Absolutely. Maybe we can go to that premiere as well. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, use our contacts, you know, what are we supposed to do? Um and then also, um, it's not gonna happen anytime soon, but Moulin Rouge, the musical, has debuted on Broadway from its um they did a workshop and then they did like a first trial in Boston. They did, yeah, and it's got incredible reviews, hasn't it? Yeah, um, people I think really pe- loved it. People say it's absolutely bonkers. But it's like hugely, they've sunk money into it. There's 70 different pop songs in it. Yeah, because they, they're also using songs that weren't in the film, right? Yeah. The songs that have come out more recently, like Adele yeah. songs and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, which I love. I love that they've kind of tried, they've not just gone for a carbon copy of the movie. Mm-hmm. They've actually tried to make it relevant now. Mm-hmm. And like, well, not that it was not ever not relevant, but you know what I mean? It's like they've tried to like bring in some yeah. new um, angles and new mm-hmm. elements. So yeah. yeah. It, it looks really cool, and like the fact that they've like decked out the whole theatre to look like the Moulin Rouge and is bejeweled and absolutely dazzling. Yes, it yeah. will definitely come to London. There's no question about it because yeah. it's clearly got this massive following and mm. massive um, attention. And Aaron Tveit, one of I mean I don't know you, one of my favourite Broadway actors, is playing Christian, which is absolute just yes um and there's lots of interesting stuff going on in the west end as well mary poppins is coming back and i've just seen joseph recently which has been amazing and that reminds me of my jason donovan story as well like... oh of course your jason donovan story <laughs> you can tell I mean, jason donovan story we know we know the podcast listeners love to hear our stories of like meeting like minor celebrities well, Although, because, yeah. jason donovan is actually very he's famous. a pretty major celebrity yeah, yeah. yeah um but he, so he is performing um in joseph and the amazing technicolor dream coat in london which you saw mm-hmm. as the pharaoh which is funny because he Originated the role in nineteen ninety one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, I just ended up seeing him in um, a restaurant in Soho, and he asked me if I was in the queue, and I was like looking at this guy, being like, "He is very familiar looking." And then in my mind, it was just like, Joseph. <laughs> and then I was like, "No, not Joseph, Jason." And I was like, "Jason, Joseph." And then eventually, like, my brain was like, "Jason Donovan," <laughs> because like it's not like he's someone I think of often. You know? <laughs> me um, and I also this was before Joseph had opened. I yeah. think he was rehearsing at that point, so like there weren't kind of adverts and I hadn't really been thinking about it so um and I was with my colleague who had the same like thought process and, like she was kind of like it's something beginning with J <laughs> so that was cool it's um, Joseph I would have died I love jo- I love Joseph in general if it's Jason Donovan or Donny Osmond mm. who played Joseph in the film which is basically exactly the stage show would have been amazing um absolutely and then uh, we also have a whole host of books that we're going to be talking about in the next few episodes some author interviews hopefully um some books that we've been kind of sent as pr so yeah it's a lot of stuff really really excited about and then bake off strictly all these things are coming back soon as well yeah and there's been some obviously stranger things came back yes yeah, as which you we'll know be talking we're big about. fans of stranger things so we'll definitely be doing a whole episode devoted to that soon mm-hmm. um yeah, so there's definitely been some some cool things. Yes, lots of cool stuff for us to talk about. And we'll revisit Pulled Up, um, maybe, the series finishes pretty soon, but we'll revisit it to kind of think about our thoughts on that, maybe a month or so after it's finished, just to, yeah. you know. Uh, after, yeah, after things have kind of died down. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, like, whether the final episode is very final, or whether it's quite open. Mm. I'm going to put my bets that I think it's going to be quite open. Yeah, me too. I think they'll it'll end with Paul Dark with the the Paul Dark standing on a on a hill, oh, yeah, with a cliff somewhere, yeah, being like, yeah, but absolutely. Um, and yeah, so I think that's it from us this episode. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for listening, and um, as always, you can you know rate, review, and subscribe to us. Like we love to hear. We love you. to hear from you definitely, and you can follow us on um Twitter, which is at real LLW. Um, we love our Twitter followers. Uh, thank you to the people who've been talking to us more recently. We love to hear from you. You um can 
Also follow us on Instagram, which is at loveslaborswatch. We update our stories about things that we're doing on there. We also have a Gmail, which is loveslaborswatch.gmail.com. Email us if you'd like to. Um, we do check it, so go ahead. Um, and yeah, thank you for listening. Uh, bye.